It's time for From the Short Grass with Trey Shap, a golf podcast for those who love golf, struggle with golf, and just like to enjoy the outdoors and fellowship with friends, all while chasing a ball around trying to put it in a four and a quarter inch diameter hole. From the Short Grass is brought to you by Stevens Incorporated, an independent financial services firm with the freedom to focus on what matters most. Blackman Auctions. For over 80 years, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels. We partner with you to deliver high-yield results by managing, developing, and investing in top-quality hospitality assets. And now, from the short grass, here is your host, Trey Schaap. Welcome to another edition of From the Short Grass. I am your host, Trey Shap. Well, this week I traveled up to Conway, Arkansas to sit down with Brandon Watson, the owner of the Arkansas Golf Center. He is also director of golf instruction and club fitting there. He's also a clinical instructor for the University of Central Arkansas Exercise and Sports Science. Now, Brandon has been a club fitter for quite some time, and he is being recognized for it as well. He was named to Golf Digest 100 Best Club Fitters every year since 2016. He was the 2019 Ping National Fitter of the Year. In 2018, he was inducted into the Callaway Hall of Fame for Golf Professionals, and he's a top 100 club fitter for Callaway, Mizuno, Titleist, and Ping. And he is a very good instructor as well. He's been named by Golf Digest as one of the best teachers in the state and one of the top 100 club fitters in the United States. He was named number one on Golf Digest Best Golf Teacher in the State list in 2013 and has been in one of the two top spots on that list every year from 2013 to 2021. I think you will learn a lot about Brandon in this episode as we talk about how he got involved with golf and why he decided to go the teaching route instead of playing professionally. Blackman Auctions. Since 1938, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. You can find them on the web, blackmanauctions.com. Their full lineup of upcoming auctions is right there on their website. Go to their website, blackmanauctions.com, to find one of their upcoming auctions. We are back with more from the short grass after this. Stay with us. Traveling to Fayetteville to watch a game? Forgot to book a room for the night? Beachwood Pinnacle Hotel Group has you covered. Stay where the fans stay. Staybridge Suites is just south of Baumwalker Stadium and is an all-suite hotel within walking distance of Baumwalker, Bud Walton, and Razorback Stadium. Or you could stay at the Comfort Inn and Suites with newly remodeled rooms throughout the entire property. Find them on the web at bphotels.com. Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels. At Stevens, our philosophy is to invest every dollar as if it were our own. To seize opportunity. To anticipate rather than react. To deliver constant focus in an ever-changing world. And to pursue the objectives of our clients in order to help them reach their financial goals. A proven history of helping companies and individuals. Stevens, member NYSE SIPC. This is Thomas Blackman with Blackman Auctions. You all know by now I'm not a good golfer, but my son loves the game and he and I have been playing more. I've got my score down to, I've quit playing a scramble on every hole. I'm using the bunker rake much less than I used to. And a lot of the time I hit my drives past the women's tee box. All of my success in golf can directly be tied to me listening to From the Short Grass. Without it, I would not be the golfer I am today. Trey, you owe me 20 bucks for that. Trey knows golf. I know auctions. 
Come see us at BlackmanAuctions.com. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. Welcome back to this edition of From the Short Grass. On the tee, Brandon Watson. Brandon, thanks for joining me on From the Short Grass. Uh, do you remember the first time you ever picked up a golf club and fell in love with the game? I think we all think we remember. I remember the the time. I remember the uh, driving range it was at, which was Mike Dunaway's old place here in Conway. But I can't say the exact first time I put a club in my hands. I can remember my dad had gotten into golf. He was playing out at Cadron Valley at the time, which has now become a nine-hole course. It still exists, but it's not the same course that it was. And I can remember that time is when I was 10 years old because I played my first tournament when I was 12. Now, I remember that, my first competition. But, you know, the first time he say, put a golf club in my hands, I'm sure it was at the house. Now, I remember the first area that I hit golf balls at was at Mike Dunaway's driving range, which I ended up working for them and mowing the grass out there and picking golf balls. So Speaking of Mike Dunaway, man, well, he could hit the golf ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I remember watching the old Mike uh, Dunaway and um, his coach, whose name is eluding me right now with the old black and white jumpsuit. Um, his name was Mike as well, but I can't remember exactly his last name. It's eluding me right now, but I remember watching those videos that Mike gave me even when I was growing up with the DV, uh, not the DVD, it would have been VHS at that time. So yeah. yeah, I can remember that's my kind of first foray into golf instruction and studying the golf swing. Did you watch those religiously? Yeah. I remember me and my buddies, my golfing buddies, we watched them over and over. We'd stay together before tournament nights and we'd put, put them in and watch them like that was going to make us better than not before. But yeah, that that's my first memory of kind of falling in love with the golf science and the study of the golf swing. What have you learned about the golf swing? Oh, gosh. Uh, I oftentimes say I've probably learned more in the last year than I did the 16 before it, and I hope I'm able to say the same thing a year from now. I mean, it's just amazing the information that's available today, uh, how much more data we have. A lot of golf instruction was guessing. Now we can measure, you know, with 3D force plates, all the stuff we're able to use. It's pretty amazing how much we've learned uh some of the new is still old but being able to actually measure instead of guess uh that's why i say in the last year i've probably learned more than the 16 before when you go back to the explosion if you will of golf is it back late 90s early 2000s tiger woods right yeah i mean i was lucky enough to see that so when tiger came on the usam scene you know, I was 14, 15 years old when he turned professional and won first in 97. I was 17. So that's probably when I was, you know, at my most passionate about the game, you know, really eat up with it, playing tournament golfs here around Arkansas. And, you know, just being able to, to see that, you know, we took it for granted at the time because everything looked like a movie script, you know, how he won, how much he won, how often he won. Uh, but it was really inspiring. And so, I mean, you know, to live through that era when golf probably – hasn't seen a boom quite like it uh, until, you know, the last couple of years. But still, it's nothing like what, say, 97 till 2005 was. Sure. We'll get into technology here in a little bit. But I, I, first, I want to go back and let's talk about your trek through. High school golfer? Right. And yeah, played junior golf in yeah, the state? Yeah, played junior golf, high school golf, played collegiate golf at Central Arkansas. Uh, played a little professional golf, but not long. Uh, that's how my business, Arkansas Golf Center, even came into existence. I was actually playing uh, professional golf. My caddy at the time uh, was the PGA teaching professional, Scott May, out at the older driving range that was here in town on the green. And we were driving to a tournament, and he was like, you know what, the, the owners are selling. Uh, their land became worth a lot of money. They're not going to do anything else in the golf industry. I went and talked to the manager at the time, Adi, 
And she just told me, yeah, we're not going to do anything. And she was gracious enough to come work with me a year. And that's, you know, how this place started because we knew there was going to be a need in the area. So, uh, yeah, I was playing professional golf at the time. Not a lot of success there, but it really wasn't for me just the, the grind, you know, driving eight hours, being able to play maybe a practice round because I was still trying to work for my dad's construction company in between playing. And here I was going playing with these guys that have been doing it, you know, for their house payment for 10 years and they were just kicking my butt. So it's not like, for everybody. No, it's not. I mean, it just, it wasn't fun uh, at all. I mean, just, you know, so much pressure. I mean, you'd end up spending three, $3,500 on the entry fee and food and hotels that week, shoot even par and you lost you know, two grand. And so you'd kind of come home and then I'd try to work a little bit, practice in the afternoons. And unless you just dedicate yourself to that and have a huge financial backing, I think that's one thing a lot of people don't understand that, you know, a good local golfer, he's going to go try to play, unless you've got a good 50 grand to let you go out there a year and do nothing else but that, you're probably, uh, you're uh, making it would be very slim without the financial backing. You say shooting even par. And for a lot of people that probably listen to this podcast, I mean, even par would be uh, a a record day for some people. But when you look at how good you are to be a professional golfer, how good you have to be, it's sometimes mind-boggling, isn't it? Yeah, and, and that's even par on a course that most scratch golfers wouldn't break 80. And so when you see these guys shooting 66, that's on a course, again, uh, the club champion probably would struggle to break 80. I mean, just understanding – how big of a jump. They're not just a few strokes better than, say, a scratch golfer, a club champion. You know, it's like the difference between a good high school football player and an NFL player. It is that big of a jump from, I'm talking a very good golfer, to those guys that are making a living at it. It's, it's a just slim a, margin. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and then you take, say, that if you played with the 125th ranked player in the world, you'd wonder how that guy ever loses, and he never wins. And that, that's the best way to explain it. You know, but you, if you got to play with that guy, it would blow your mind. Some people have asked me, and I always say, you can make a good living if you can finish in the top ten week in and week out. Uh, you're going to make a great, great living, living. Yeah. if you can finish in the top ten week in and week out. And you might not win a tournament, but you're still going to make a lot of money. Just staying on tour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the money, you know, thanks, Tiger, uh, is what we should be <laughs> exactly. saying. Uh, and of course, you know, what's going on now with the, the new tour and, and obviously there's a lot of money in the game and, um, that hopefully shows the health of the game. You know, I'm excited about that. Think what you want about live and what's going on there, but it shows that there's an economical interest in the game and that's good for golfers in the long run, whether they, they see it or not. You know, I'm, I've grew up loving the PGA tour. I'm pro PGA tour, but, um, I don't, I don't not understand from owning a business in the golf industry how you know what drives us all being able to enjoy the game and so the more, the more money the more the game grows i hope and the better it will be in the long run for golfers let's talk a little technology uh it's a new year this is when the manufacturers come out with their new clubs and everything we've seen a couple of pga tournaments now where players are playing new golf balls they're playing new clubs some don't even have a club deal anymore. <laughs> They've decided Patrick can't lay. Uh, I'm just going to go at it on my own. I'm not going to uh, rep a certain club or a certain product right now. What is it with technology that you have seen, Brandon, from when you started in this business to where we are now? So, yeah, technology is amazing. So, say, take the club head, for instance. They've they, the manufacturers, they've had the center of the sweet spot in the club had maxed out to USGA regulations for decades now, for a decade at least. 
So what has really improved is two things. One, off-center hits, which is going to really benefit the, the average Joe golfer. You know, just a couple millimeters off-center, you know, will kill your smash factor, which smash factor is your return on investment. I like to think about smash factor as this. Your input is your swing speed. Your output is your ball speed. So it's like investing in a stock. With a driver, we're trying to get 50% return on investment. So 1.5 smash factor. You could used to only get that in the very center of the golf club. Now we're getting those top-end smash factors millimeters away from the center, all the way out to an inch or two, in some cases away from the center, especially if it's towards the toe of the golf club, which for physical reasons is actually going to create a faster shot because the toe is moving faster than the heel. So especially in that region where we should be missing, or most amateurs should be missing the golf ball, which is away from the hosel, uh, the golf clubs have gotten incredibly better. And then number two, it's the wealth of shafts and options we have now. Where 10 years ago, I could fit somebody to the best of available products, but it still was only with limited resources. Now we have 300 times the options and shaft and head weights and movable weights and links and all of this stuff that you just couldn't do. So I, if I fit you 10 years ago or even five years ago, I fit you maybe to the best possible physics allowed then, but with all the options, and this is where people should be you know, even if you're not interested in buying, go get fit once a year. Just see how big of a difference, and it may not be the heads. People kind of understand, oh, from year to year, the heads aren't going to get that much better. But what if they released another 100 shafts and your profile, your perfect profile just came out? Because realistically, to fit somebody perfectly, I'd have to have a 3D printer that could print the perfect shaft and head and, and weight and all that for them. But every year, as more options come out, your perfect may now exist, and it didn't exist last year. Your body type changes. Right. Uh, your yeah. strength changes. And as we get older, uh, I'm living proof, uh, club head speed starts to uh, decline a little bit, and it makes it difficult at times. Yeah, yeah. So, right, just or even just an injury. Even if you're younger and healthier, you make a swing change, an injury happens, you know, in a perfect world, we'd be like those guys on tour. And they're, they're basically in an ever-evolving fitting, right? How their swing is that week, the, the club manufacturer is going to make the club a little – flatter if they're They've hitting got the, the trailers know, right there right. off the range so, i mean that's impossible yeah. for the average joe golfer but more facilities like mine exist uh than ever before obviously i'm biased to this one but um you know just coming and getting checked out you know just coming and even just demoing some stuff and talking to my guys about what does this you know what my ball keeps going left and us doing a quick you know no charge lie angle test and just understanding some of the basics of the physics of the golf equipment and even if you said well i got fit last year well our swings are evolutions right our bodies are evolutions every couple of months your needs may change brandon it's not feasible though for an average joe blow to try and change everything week in, week out, or no. month in, month out. Or year. And they just have to realize that, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, for, for as far as getting new equipment, now you may be surprised what small little tweaks, affordable tweaks could be done, you know, to your equipment if you've, you know, that's why I said once a year check, once every two years check. Uh, even if you don't, you're not coming in with a budget that enables you to revamp the bag, and, and that's stupid. Nobody needs to spend that much money on golf equipment. I make my living from selling golf equipment. But, you know, checking it out, seeing if your clubs maybe hit a root last year and it knocked the angle off or the loft off, just those little bitty tweaks and making sure you've got the right lofts for you. Some people don't need the standard four-degree separation. Some need more. Some need less. Some need uh, more in their wedges and less in their long irons, or they need their – 
because of the drooping effect of the shaft, so going to go into a little golf nerd here. So the longer the shaft, the more the toe bends down of the golf club whenever you swing it. So let's say if you had a um, two iron shaft, well, you're going to be able to bend that club much easier because it's longer than the same material in a sand wedge shaft. So longer irons for most people actually need to be set upright more than your shorter iron. So if you're a player that says, man, I can hit everything pretty good, but when I get to those longer irons, it starts going right. Maybe don't just blame your swing. Come and you know, measure and find out what really is the culprit. Somebody that wants to pick up the game, wants to start, and they don't know where to start. They come see you. Where do you start with them? So usually, so brand new player, um, I won't even suggest they buy golf clubs. I'll say golf lessons first, right? We've got, we've got golf clubs provided. We've got speak, you know, cheap, inexpensive. We, we sell our old demo seven iron. So we can come, you can come here for 15 bucks, buy one of our last year's, put together seven iron. So it's modern technology. We'll try to get you in the closest to what you need and start there and start making contact. Don't get into the internal stuff, you know, external, internal rotation of what's going on inside your body, the kinematic sequence, all that stuff is unnecessary. So stay off YouTube, learn to posture grip alignment and learn to make center contact and stay external. What I mean is if you're a beginning golfer and you're topping the ball, we'll learn to hit it higher on the face. Don't learn how, just know you need to hit it higher on the face. So putting some spray, some foot powder spray on the golf club and just learning to hit the center of the club face. And then once you can do that, once you can, you understand A, to grip it, B, to set up, and then C, hit the center of the club face with whatever technique. The method employed is not important at this point. Uh, then go from there. But learn to fall in love with flush. Learn center face contact, and then go from there. More seasoned golfers are more interested in, you know, swing speed, carry, ball speed off the club head, all of that technology that is out there now. Isn't it just amazing, the numbers, the feedback that you can get instantaneously from a swing with TrackMan? And I know there are other systems out there, but – the feedback you get as a golfer right now? Right, yeah. And especially these high-level golfers growing up. Imagine if when you were growing up, Trey, that you had a machine behind you that told you you hit this wedge 67 versus 67 yards and a half versus how good would you be with no coaching? And, you know, I'm a golf coach. I think it does help. But just that technology alone, being able to understand it, optimize your golf swing, this is those external factors I was talking about. Hey, you're hitting too much up on it. Well, just hit more down on the ball. Don't really worry about how. That, that's how a lot of golfers should use that information, not necessarily get so detailed that they get caught up in all these, you know, fancy anatomical terms, but just understand, hey, I went, I got tested on track, man. Uh, I'm hitting too much up on the golf ball. My low point is an inch behind and tour players are three to six inches ahead. I need to just focus on a spot six inches in front of the golf ball and hit the ground there. That simply right there could have somebody's handicap, just and, getting that info. And Brandon, I think it comes from watching TV and golf on TV because now you have the shots that are followed with a, with a graphic, with a line that is coming right from the shot, the technology that is out there. And people can get that feedback here. If you put them on, let's say, a launch monitor or a track band, they're going to be able to get that feedback. Yeah, the average person is more educated about what the ballistics or ball flight needs to be than ever before. And thank goodness for that. That's awesome. I mean, I think it makes A, watching golf more enjoyable. B, um, it makes them understand 
you know, the ball flight principles and maybe helps the average guy understand, hey, I need to be hitting a little up on the driver, down on the irons. These things are getting explained. I can't imagine, you know, that that even being a conversation that a commentator would have 20 years ago because it would have just flew over everybody's heads, right? And the fact that that's just normal, everyday golf round stuff now and people understand launch high, spin low, understand angle of attack and face point and starting to understand a little bit of directional plane, which is the difference between your path and your face point. And, and you know, there were some golf professionals 10 years ago that didn't understand that stuff. And the fact that that's becoming more layman's term to the golf industry and just, you know, average golfers, I think it's great. I think it'll help the game. Short game putting. How important is that with the game? It is very important. I mean, you've got to get the ball in the hole. Now, some recent studies from a guy named Mark Brody, who's the tour st- statistician, you know, proximity to hole matters. Uh, say if you're a tour player and you're at 12 feet, you're going to only make less than 40% of those putts. And if you're at five feet, that shoots up to well over 80%. But for the average golfer, um, putting is important. I would say, again, proximity to hole matters. I think people don't work on their distance putting a lot enough. I mean, again, a tour player from 12 feet is going to make 32%. So what is the average amateur? I think it's like 15 to 17%. So even if you became a tour player putting, you're only going to make 30-something percent from 12 feet. So after your second putt, you need way less than 12 feet. When you get closer to the hole, it's called the golden eight feet from like 10 to 2. Amateurs and pros get closer together. So being able to lag those putts up to inside of three feet is probably more important than somebody sitting there working. You know, you see people before a scramble and everybody's working on a 12, 15 foot putt on the putting green. That's really a pointless thing to work on. You need to work on 40 footers and you need to work on four footers. So if you just work on those two links and you're really good at 40s and getting inside four feet and you're really good at four footers, well, then you're going to two putt a lot. And then if you're good at 40s, you're not bad at 50s or 30s. And if you're good at fours, you're not that bad at fives or threes. So, Do you have special routines that you would like to see players do? Like, I know sometimes before I play in a tournament, I'll get out on a putting green and I'll go around the hole just making short little putts and then increase it a little bit to maybe four feet, like you said, five feet. Um, And if I miss one, then I start back over things like that, little yep. routines that you can go through? Yeah, that's one of my favorite, actual favorite drills. So in the fours that I like for my players to work on, we'll put eight coins around a cup, and I want that cup to have some break. So basically, if you put one here and it's straight downhill, you'll put one opposite, and you'll have a straight uphill putt. Then you'll have a downhill left to right and a downhill right to left. Then you'll have a level right to left, a level, level left to right, and so on. So you've got these eight putts that represent pretty much all you could see. And so I like for my players to be able to go around that my you know, you know, high handicappers one time, mid handicappers two times to my elite college players and guys trying to play professionally. I want you to be able to make that around three or four times without missing. So if you get to your 23rd putt and you miss, you got to start over. So it puts that pressure on, you know, like you're going to, you know, feel speaking of feel Phil Mickelson used to do that to the tune of a hundred putts. I don't know if you've ever heard that. He used I to have. Do, yeah, he used to do that. Uh, I think it was three-footers he did. but Yeah, you talk about pressure. I, I mean, I've, I've even stretched out to – I think I did three, six, nine, and 12. And you get to the 12-footers, and it's only three balls, and you get to that last putt. There is yeah. a lot of pressure on that one. You almost have to kind of step back for a second, take a deep <laughs> breath, gather yourself, and then putt it. And it's like what Lee Trevino used to say. Hey, the putts get so much tougher on Sunday the day they hand out the money. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, and that's that puts that pressure on you. And I like that drill too, where you just go three putts, three putts, three putts, three putts back in three feet increments, which is great. And think that's you sitting there, pretty much knowing the break. So imagine yeah. that same putt, you know, for a 
$5 Nassau, which can be Sunday for the average player, uh, and you really don't know the break. So if you can't do that in that setting, you're probably not going to do that, you know, when you go play. All right. Favorite or best golf course you've ever played? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, I've played TPC Sawgrass, which I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was really good. What did you make on 17? That's, uh, that's the question everybody yeah, always asks. It. it was in the junior tournament, so that's when they had kind of the top juniors. Um, uh, it wasn't a AJGA, it was a FCWT, Future okay. Collegiate World Tour, and so I got to play it there. We play, There's two courses there. Most yep. people don't know that. Uh, there's the Valley course and then the Stadium course. So we played the Valley the first two days, and then uh, we, they didn't let us play a practice round on the Stadium course, so that was the first time I had seen it. Uh, the tournament, uh, then the Players' Championship, was just a couple months away, and so uh, they'd had the rough growing up and all that. So I didn't get to see it in its pristine condition, but wow, the fact that anyone shoots under par on that freaking track just amazed me at the time. Now, 17, at the time, it wasn't playing that hard. It was pretty still. It was just like a pitching wedge from where we were playing it from. Easy. So, so I just hit the center of the green. Wind and wasn't blowing. No, wind wasn't blowing, and there was no <laughs> fans around. Right. You know, there was five of us sitting there so that's that awesome. so i didn't experience it but i could imagine you know just back a little bit say 12 yards where they were going to be you know 140 something yards with you know the stadium there you know if, if that hole were you know just surrounded by grass everybody would birdie it and go on but oh, the, yeah. fa- the fact that our minds is so weak i'm going to put it like that that the water just makes it that much harder but it does i mean i can i was nervous over the shot i can remember being you know, very, very nervous. And I probably hit in a shot I shouldn't. I, was, I drew the ball at the time. I kind of just set it out on that right bunker and just drew it back to the that's center Pete of the That's Pete Dye for you, Yeah, though. I know. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, that, it it makes you think. It's great. And then 16 is just fantastic. Yeah. So I, I would say just the experience. That was the best course I'd played at the time. Uh, so just, you know, the experience there, you know, I've, I've played some, I've actually played Kapalua a couple of weeks ago. It's, you know, nice. Uh, I, I definitely wouldn't call it the best, but it, it's just a engineering marvel that they put that thing on the side of that Uh-oh. volcano there, you know, where the guys are yeah. at right now. And again, not easy. I mean, the fairways are wide, but the fact that they just light it up, just humbles, humbles yeah. you. Yeah. It it's, makes it's, you it's realize humbling, yeah. how good they are too. All right. Fantasy foursome, you and three others living or deceased, you could play around a golf with. I, I definitely, you know, it's cliche, but I I throw pops in there. My dad, um, probably uh, Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods. You know, if I could, you know, those two guys probably, and I know they influence so many. And that's again cliche to say, but you know, more than watching them hit golf shots, you know, just listening to them and analyzing how they read the golf course because their minds are different. Uh, so I think I could learn a lot that would help me help others uh, in just how they thought about you know, the genius and how they think about playing a golf course, that would be, you know, fun for me to see. The stories you yeah, would hear. the stories you would hear, right. Uh, yeah, I, I always think about, you know, how much we took for granted, you know, the few times they were paired together, like in Jack's last U.S. Open. And just, I mean, just to be able to see that, uh, I think that's something that's kind of lost on today's younger generation of golfers. You know, Tiger is the legend, but you don't really think about the other legends of the game, right? He overshadows everyone ernie and all the other guys that would have been you know even phil mickelson uh you know there's really there's no comparison so it's just tiger's the guy he's he's the legend you know if uh he tees off in the masters one day i wonder if they'll even have anybody hit with him i mean he's that big to the game uh because everything else is going to feel like a drop off from there it's a good point good point brandon great to be with you yep and thanks for the time absolutely 
With all the decisions you need to make about what to do in El Dorado, finding a place to stay is an easy one. The Haywood is uniquely positioned to make your stay one to treasure. Located in the historic Union Square District of El Dorado, the Haywood offers luxurious accommodations that feature contemporary, colorful rooms with high-quality bedding. Comfortable baths with walk-in showers and a spacious workspace with stylish plantation shutters that are unique additions to the stunning decor in a non-smoking environment. Make the Haywood your home away from home the next time you visit El Dorado. Strength is measured not by the number of accounts. Strength is placing value on relationships. It's having the vision and the guts to invest in growth. It's the commitment to responsibly manage your money. At Stevens, we believe that our strengths build success, not only for us, but for our clients. Stevens, member NYSE, SIPC. This is Thomas Blackman with Blackman Auctions. The economy is changing slowly but surely. The market is slowing down in a gradual slide. Not an emergency yet, the sky is not falling, but a change is coming. When times are good, auctions make buyers compete to buy at the highest market value. When the economy gets tough, auctions force buyers to make a purchase decision. Either way, auctions get the highest return for a seller and a strong deal for a buyer. With an experienced auction company, it's a simple process. Go to BlackmanAuctions.com for more information. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. Welcome back to this edition of From the Short Grass. Hey, if you would like to go see Brandon Watson at the Arkansas Golf Center, he's located at 5150 John W. Allison Road in Conway, Arkansas. You can give them a call, 501-327-0171. Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels. When you need a place to stay, make sure it's a Beachwood Pinnacle Hotel managed property. How do you do that? Go to their website, bphotels.com. They have a full list of all of the hotel properties that they manage throughout the state of Arkansas. That'll do it for this edition of From the Short Grass. I hope you learned something about the game of golf today. And I want you to remember this. The next time you're playing a round of golf and you find a ball mark on the green, fix it and a couple of more. And I hope to see you sometime soon from the short grass you've been listening to from the short grass a weekly podcast dedicated to the game of golf this has been a presentation of the buzz radio network